You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hello and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I am Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. And welcome back as this week. We talk about the Go-Go's. Woo woo. I'm so excited. Anyone who grew up in the 80s, probably 70s as well, Mm -hmm. knows the Go-Go's. I would like to think that everyone knows the Go-Go's just because their music is fairly prolific in movies and television and things like that as well. Mm -hmm. If you don't know them, you're going to enjoy the documentary because they're pretty awesome. They are pretty slick. I would like to know, starting off, what's your favorite Go-Go song? Probably just the classic We Got the Beat. It always makes me think of Fast Times at Richmond High. And I love oh, that yeah. movie, so. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Head Over Heels. That's the one I've been singing for the last few days. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not a habitual. Like, I have a couple standard favorite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. But I, I have a rotation. So this yep. might be in my new rotation. So I like that. Yeah, I did have to go download some Go-Go's <laughs> onto my phone because I didn't have any. How is that even possible? I don't know. Well, I mean, there's so much music, right? So you mm-hmm. get on kicks. And that's why it was really nice to revisit this. I did tell... My youngest, who is my DJ, he plays songs mm-hmm. when we're in the car together. I said, today, I will be the DJ. Much to his, uh, like, shock and like, Whoa. So <laughs> you touch the road. I was like, you'll love it. You'll love it. It's fine. So mm-hmm. so this documentary was just released in 2020. Uh, it's mm-hmm. on Showtime, and it's an hour and 38 minutes long. It was directed by Allison Elwood, who did a lovely job. It was a great documentary. Yeah, I really enjoyed They had a lot of like footage of the early days and stuff that you would think would be hard to have. Like they'll have concert footage or videos Mm -hmm. or, you know, interviews and stuff like that. But that's the stuff that I was like, Oh my God. Right. Pictures of them at other people's shows and things like that. Yes. So I will say one fact that they say several times throughout, but we'll just say it right here at the beginning. Mm -hmm. The Go-Go's made history because they were the first all female band who wrote their own music and played their own instruments and they reached number one on the Billboard album charts. And that had never been done before. And I don't think it's been done since. Yeah. And I think that's with their premiere album. It's, you know, so I had that later. Is like there were 26 people in the history of music that have done that. And that's mm-hmm. your greats like Elvis and the Beatles and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, they keep good company. Yeah. Yeah. Their debut album went to number one. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. But before they were the amazing bit boppy girls that we know and love. Mm-hmm. They were punk. That surprised me. I don't know why that surprised me so much to see Belinda Carlisle with black hair, horrible makeup, and like tore up fishnets. In a trash bag? That's yes. the part I was like, is that a one shoulder trash bag? It was amazing. <laughs> yes. Well, I think Belinda, she just comes across so wholesome, which of course it's not. I mean, that was just a character she yes. played, right? Mm-hmm. That was just her branding as it were. But like, yeah, they all started off in this crazy punk scene in the late, late 70s. There was right. a place in LA and they kind of came into that. And I love to hear him talk about, look, we didn't know what we were doing and kind of describing their first show. And it was just fucking madness. And I would, I would, I'd like to tell you, I would have loved to have been there. And probably one time in my life. Yes. But now it just sounds too loud. <laughs> in my baby heart <laughs> I know I wouldn't be able to take it listen I still love punk I still listen to some classic <laughs> punk 
Yeah, and back in the day, I, w- I would have done really well. I went to a lot of metal shows. I went and saw, you know, a lot of Guar and Pantera and Skate Nigs and that. So Jesus. I think I would have done well with Amazing. Them. So there are five members of the band, mm-hmm. two of which were replaced right before they became popular. So yes. we'll say the five members that most people know of are Belinda Carlisle, who's the lead singer, mm-hmm. Charlotte Caffey, who's the lead mm-hmm. guitarist and keyboardist, Gina Schock, who played drums, mm-hmm. Kathy Valentine, who played bass guitar, and Jane Weedlin, who played rhythm guitar, who looks like yeah. Andy Potts, but she sounds like Jennifer Tilly. She's adorable. She is. I kind of tried to map out a little bit about like what each of them brought, right? Mm-hmm. So let's start with Charlotte Caffey, who was kind of the musical mastermind of this whole thing. She mm-hmm. was classically educated mm-hmm. in music. So she was bringing a lot of the songwriting skills and, and that kind of thing. Gina Shock was an amazing drummer, which I think is hilarious because what kind of fucking name is Gina Shock? That's like a legit you know what I mean? Rock star name. It is. Well, not as much as Kathy Valentine, in my opinion. That's a great but fucking still, name, right? Yeah. And she couldn't read music. And you find that out later in the documentary that she was this amazing drummer and she couldn't mm-hmm. read music. And I think that's yeah a lot more common than I would think it is. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Belinda Carlisle, who, of course, not only was famous in the Go-Go's, but then had her own solo career. Mm-hmm. And she just has such a unique voice. And I thought that that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then Jane, I had, she's just like a little pixie. She's just the most amazing person. I loved the story of her talking about, you know, she'd really struggled with a lot of depression and stuff Mm -hmm. as a kid, but then she started to see stuff about the London punk scene and like how much it spoke to her. And she was like, what? And then she found some people who were like, yeah, there's a punk scene in LA. And if you go to this club and, you know, then she would talk about, she would do her own homemade clothes and people would cross the street when they saw her because she was just, I mean, jarring, I guess, mm-hmm. but on site. And I thought, oh my God, that's amazing. Well, yeah, she had talked about how she tried to commit suicide at the age of 15. Yeah. And so she was, she was very depressed. And then she found punk and punk was like an outlet. And I feel like mm-hmm. maybe if she hadn't had that outlet of music, she might not have done so well in life, right? Right. But yeah. having that kind of outlet to be able to be angry and have that energy or or be whatever you want made it okay. Yeah, absolutely. She met Pleasant Gaiman, who was a punk poet, and I feel like I want punk poet on my resume. I don't know how I can yes. achieve that since I have zero artistic ability whatsoever, but I'm going to work on it. I mean, you have, you have an ability with words. I mean, I can string them together every now and then, but yeah. they're not going to be lovely then i think the novelty of a punk poet is they don't have to be lovely right they could just be like fuck you damn the man and that's all you gotta say <laughs> i hate my dad see you later yeah <laughs> and then so the punk scene was pretty small right in la mm-hmm. and so everyone kind of knew each other belinda talks about how she went to see she, well she talks about how she was a cheerleader and then went from that to punk which i feel like is just a natural transition really well i mean thinking about when people are in school and that's when you should be trying different funky things. Like you should have all the experiences as a, you know, young person. Let me say all the reasonable experiences, not all the experiences. Yeah. Be safe kids. Yeah, exactly. We're not saying you should go out and just really get crazy, but Mm -mm. that's a good time to try some different hats on in the world. So Mm -hmm. yeah, be a cheerleader because she looked wholesome and then also be super punk. I love it. I know. Wear your trash bag and your beret. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm all over it. Yeah. Yep. Own that shit. Right. 
And so she talks about going to see the Sex Pistols, who, you know, everyone in L.A. went to see the Sex Pistols because they were like old school punk. They were the original. Mm -hmm. They said it was like a religious pilgrimage. Everyone went to see them. And then they sucked. Now, most of the things I've heard about Pistol shows is that most of them sucked. Yeah. But that was kind of their thing and their shtick. But Jane was just talking about how disappointing it was. And all I could think of is people who say, never meet your heroes, man. They're just going to disappoint you. Right. So she was saying that the first wave of punk was kind of on its way out, right? Mm -hmm. So I can understand, you know, the novelty of punk is like kind of thumbing your nose at whatever. And then maybe over time that gets old. Mm -hmm. Maybe you get too commercial and then so you've sort of lost the heart of it. So maybe that's what was happening to them. But, you know, there were some upstarts. There were some up and comers. And it sounds like everybody that the girls knew was in a band. So they were like, fuck yeah, that's us. We're going to get a band. Mm -hmm. We're going to get a band. Mm -hmm. So there was Belinda. There was mm -hmm. Jane. Charlotte, who, yeah, went to school for classical piano. Mm -hmm. They had Alyssa Bello, who's the original drummer. Mm -hmm. And they had Margo Oliveria, who is the original bass mm -hmm. guitarist. So that was the original lineup. Put themselves together. It wasn't like, because a lot of times back in the day, if you think of all girl bands, you think of the Runaways, but they were put together by Ken Fowley. Right. And I don't know how much of their music they actually wrote, if any. And they did very well. Don't get me wrong. I love the Runaways. But mm -hmm. they put themselves together. They didn't know how to play instruments very well, which <laughs> cracks me up. Because Jane had said, well, I had a couple of lessons in uh, folk guitar, so I figured, fuck it, I'll just be the guitarist. <laughs> that, <laughs> absolutely. And then one of them was like, oh, uh, they were like, do you play bass? And she's like, sure. But she played guitar, and she's like, well, there's fewer strings. It can't be that different, right? I mean, just right, sure, whatever. Right. It just, it cracks me up that you, this was kind of throughout. Everyone's like, oh, sure, I can do it, knowing they full well could not do it. <laughs> That they all said, I lied. <laughs> and it's fine. I, you know, I'll figure it out. But also, I think in different circumstances, that would not have worked. Mm -hmm. But you didn't have to be any good. Oh, no. At the time, it was just like hearing, you know, some audio from their first couple shows. It was atrocious. And it's yeah. just Blinda yelling. And there's some quotey fingers of Muzak in the background. Yeah. But it sounds like every punk band I've ever heard to a degree, right? It's not right. refined. All the songs sound the same, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is their first show. They played three songs, and two songs were the same song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I love like, yeah. So yeah. The only songs they do, they're like, it wasn't a matter of picking a set list. This is all we got. I love right. that so much. They knew they were crappy, and that was fine, but they're mm -hmm. like, there's no reason why we can't be as good as the boys. There's no reason why we can't be as big as the boys and do everything they do. Yeah, girl. The amazing part about this is this is in the late 70s. Mm -hmm. Commercial music has been around for forever. And this is the first time that there was a successful all-girl doing their own thing group. That just blows my mind. Yeah, because you have to think of any of the previous ones. If you think of like the Ronettes, sure. they were put together. They didn't play, play instruments. instruments. They didn't yes. write their own music most of the time, probably. So. Mm -hmm. These were girls saying, fuck you. And I think it almost had to come out of a punk movement yep. saying, because that was all about, fuck you, we're going to do what we're going to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's what they did. Mm -hmm. Let me say, I was so excited about the makeup throughout this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. The bad makeup, the good makeup, the blush, the, oh, so God, much it was blush. so good. It was, I mean, my little heart was a flutter the whole time. I just, I don't know. I just wanted to call that out. It was so delightful. It was. 
I have never been a big makeup person, so I wouldn't even know how to put that on. I will say what made me the happiest is every time you see Belinda Carlisle, she has completely different hair. And <laughs> I can really relate to that because I get bored with my hair so fast. I want to change mm-hmm. it all the time. And mm-hmm. so I appreciate that. She did it. And it was mm-hmm. short. I mean, like, that's the whole thing. Like, there was a lot of short hair. There was a lot of wild makeup, a lot of bright colors, mm-hmm. you know, kind of throughout their whole evolution. Right. And that was sort of anti what girls were supposed to be. You're supposed to have long hair and you're supposed to be blonde and you're supposed to be like lace and remember the lace socks and shit like that. Like, yep. Maybe they did some of that. We didn't see it. But I mean, a lot of their stuff was very forward in that way, mm-hmm. in, at least in my opinion. A lot of pixie cuts in this. Yeah, that makes me happy. I like pixie cut. Mm-hmm. They were like late teens, right? When they get together, mm-hmm. they're like right out of school. Charlotte, I guess, yeah. was right out of college. So early 20s. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, if that's how you say your name, Alyssa, also worked full time. And so she kind of got pushed out, right? Mm-hmm. She had a full time job and she couldn't do as much with the band as they mm-hmm. wanted her to do. And they found Gina Shock and then they were like, oh, look, we have another drummer. Thanks for your time. Bye. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, they seems like they finally gained some ground early. They were the house band at the Whiskey. Right? Yeah, which is kind of awesome. So, they get the opportunity to start opening for different bands. So, I think they were getting somewhere. And they needed mm-hmm. somebody that was going to be serious about this. And, unfortunately, she would just, you know, had other ideas of what she wanted to do. And so, you know, they had to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Gina is hilarious to me. She's <laughs> like... You know, she talked about when she tried out for the band, there was this immediate chemistry, which is amazing. Because even the Mm -hmm. band members are like, wow, it was never like that before. Right. She was from Baltimore. And she's like, when I left Baltimore, I told everyone, next time you see me, I'm going to be a rock star. And she was right. I'll give her that. Yeah. Hell yeah. She said she drove to California with two grand and two grams of Coke. (laughs) Oh, to be young in the early 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the girls are not shy about talking about uh, some of their you know, drug use and stuff like that. But then mm-hmm. I think that was also very common. So I'm sure it still is in it's probably the true. industry. Yeah. I mean, when you're pushing people to work 20 hours a day, at some point you need pharmaceutical help with that. Yeah. But yeah, she probably drove that in one one go, man. Just stop for gas and that's it. That's all you need. <laughs> and then she drove for three days. So it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Gina also said that her and Jane dated for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Which I think is adorable because they're both very short. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little short hair. They probably look so cute together. They probably did. But Jane broke up with Gina, which at mm-hmm. first she has a straight face like it was the worst thing ever. And then she laughed. She's like, like, that was going to break up the band? No way. I love that. But I mean, think about your behind the musics, right? And then and then there was this. And so, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it was kind of funny. Yeah, but she's, she's hilarious. Yeah, she is. I really liked her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were playing clubs, hanging out. Charlotte. Writes, we got the beat one night, and she was terrified to show it to the band members because it's a little more poppy. They were mm-hmm. doing punk, and it's a little more poppy. Mm-hmm. But when she finally did play it to them, they all loved it. Yes. And rightly so, because it's an amazing song. It really is. Mm-hmm. And that's that was kind of their, I don't know if I want to say that was their biggest song, too, because they have Vacation, and they have a lot of others, too, but... Well, I mean, Our Lips Are Sealed is another giant mm-hmm. song of theirs. Oh, God, yeah. Which I love. They had a sort of an acoustic version on the stock. And I was like, oh, that, please. I want that. Yeah, because Jane had played it on mm-hmm. acoustic and kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. So while playing at the Whiskey, which is a big deal, if anyone knows anything about the scene in L.A., mm-hmm. the Whiskey's kind of a central place where everyone goes. Mm-hmm. 
and they they get to meet bands, uh, some of their mm-hmm. English bands that they were fans of, like the Specials and Madness. Madness, yeah, mm-hmm. both ska yeah. bands, interestingly enough. And I love the fact that they were like, we were so into English bands, and I'm like, preach, girl, preach. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine? Hot boys in a band with them accents. Mm-hmm. I mean. You can't go wrong. I mean, you really can't go you wrong. You look at cats like Ed Sheeran, and you're like, okay, now I know why he plays in a band, because otherwise he'd never <laughs> get laid, right? I mean, that's got to be why he went that route. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. But they have interviews with these cats a couple from Madness, a couple mm-hmm. from Specials, and they're just the most complimentary. So it's interesting that they're very much like, oh, the Bogus were amazing. We learned so much from them. They learned mm-hmm. from us. These bands had the same manager who then got them on tour, mm-hmm. got them to go on tour with them in England. And it just seemed like a really nice symbiotic relationship, right? That they were uplifting each other. Right. Probably pretty rare in the industry. Right. I do want to talk a little bit about, or at least mention their manager, Ginger, who was mm-hmm. kind of the sixth go-go. And she really busted her ass, especially in the beginning, like selling all her shit, like her car and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. to get the funds raised to send the girls over for the tour. Yep. You know, I think she's a good example of, you know, I, I don't think she had a ton of experience. I think she was new to this. They were new band. So they had that good relationship. And yeah, she got them over there. Yeah. I like that she said that she first saw them when they were playing in some basement and some club, mm-hmm. they were probably just practicing and she heard them just screeching and they sounded horrible. She's like, but I wanted to be part of it. These were women right? yes. doing this and I yes. wanted to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She seems like a neat lady. Mm-hmm. So they get over to England. They're opening for both of these ska bands, which I think is, I mean, I think of ska and I don't think of punk. Like they don't <laughs> right. gel to me. I think of like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and there's a guy that's doing the running man on stage, which is hilarious. <laughs> right. Don't get me wrong, but that's what I think of as a ska band. I mean, yeah, that's what it is. But I think it's, and a ska is a mixture of so many different kinds of genres that they just threw together. Right. That I feel like it goes with a little bit of everything. Yeah, there's all of that. And I just, in my head, I my very limited musical, I mean, I have a lot of musical knowledge, but the genres, you know, where does that line fall? Anyway. Yeah. But they talk about opening for the bands and there's like a bunch of white nationalists in the audience mm-hmm. and they keep getting like their spit on Scott and fans. shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> but here, these women are up there playing unapologetically. Like they don't give yep. a shit. Mm-mm. And I'm like, that's that punk spirit. Just like, mm, you know, it's just, I love it. So. Yep, a big fat fuck you. Right? The crowds hated the Go-Go's because they're not ska, they were American, and they were chicks. So clearly nothing good can come out of that. Well. Nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And then I had written down that there was inter-band loving with the boy bands. (laughs) Inter-band loving with the boy bands. Right. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of that, even though a lot of them had girlfriends and everything. But, you know, when you're on tour, I don't think that counts. I mean, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Never been on tour, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't say from experience, but it seems like you spend a lot of time with these other people. Yes. The relationships, quotey fingers, are going to happen. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. While this is going on, while they're touring and having the lovin's, Ginger, mm-hmm. the manager, is trying to get Stiff Records to sign the Go-Go's. And the guy from Stiff Records was like, meh, meh, they're girls, you know. Yeah. But he wanted to publish We Got the Beat. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, 
Ginger was smart enough not to give them the publishing rights because once you sign over publishing rights, you've got nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. That's where the record companies kind of get you and take all your money. So they did not sign away the publishing rights, but they were able to record We Got the Beat as a single. Right. And so that opened a lot of doors for them. You could buy the single now, right? Mm -hmm. Got radio play. Yeah. And so even when they went back home, it was sort of out in the consciousness that, oh, they must be big stars in England, which they weren't necessarily. But I mean, yeah, they Mm -hmm. were, it was starting to come together. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, they said the difference between the before the tour and after the tour was just, they were completely different. They had been playing a lot more. They were more cohesive as a band. Mm -hmm. It just, everything was, was working better. And that's one thing that was credited to Gina, right? That she was, she really wanted them to work and to practice. And they were like, holy shit, it worked. We were better. We were tighter, you know? So they were like, all right, all right. So um, it was such a good group because they each had such unique talents to to bring it together. So I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. I also wrote that they had a hard road as an all-girl band because they were facing a lot of rejections from the record companies because girl bands don't sell records. And I want to be like, girl bands haven't sold records yet. Because you haven't given them the chance. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, we don't have any uh, We don't have any money from girl bands because you don't have any girl bands. Listen, this is the 80s. This is when women were really starting to enter the workforce en masse, right? And we had shoulder pads. You couldn't keep us down. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You just tried to stop us. We're going to shoulder our <laughs> way right around you. That's right. Yeah. I mean, like, we've talked a couple different times, like, Women are half of the population. We have buying power. Mm-hmm. Why would we not want to hear that? But in a completely male-dominated everything, dudes are like, eh, mm-hmm. we don't want to hear yeah. that. So what could girls possibly have to say? I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Well, and then come later in the 80s, the think of the Debbie Gibsons, the Tiffany's, who took over the malls, right? Young girls everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they made so much money targeting that demographic young girls so yeah you're welcome everyone (laughs) i liked it when debbie changed her name to deborah (laughs) (laughs) right listen deborah yeah we can't have that i mean you can grow up if you want to but you can't change your name no we won't allow that i'm looking at you charles sheen (laughs) oh good stuff (laughs) did you notice what they're playing so you have these five girls on stage playing jamming out and then you have people because these are smaller clubs Mm -hmm. you have people getting on stage trying to dance with them and part of and security just keeps coming taking them off and these girls just keep playing like yeah whatever dude Mm -hmm. whatever they just keep on going Mm -hmm. i think maybe the first couple times maybe they stopped and were like whoa what the fuck or maybe not i don't know maybe they just always well i mean if you're getting spit on and have shit heckled by you know in your first several shows you know in the punk scene and the white nationalists i think a couple like weirdos doing the carlton on stage aren't gonna bug you as much right so as long as they don't touch you yeah yeah and let's be honest belinda carlisle on stage dancing makes my heart so happy i loved it i do too i told john because john has been in many bands over the years and did all that stuff Mm -hmm. but um i'm like i feel like when the lead singer doesn't play an instrument, it can get awkward when they're not actually singing. Right. And they're not sure what to do. Right. But she just danced and danced and it was sometimes really weirdo dancing. And uh, yeah, that's that's white girl dancing is what it is. Well, I think it's funny too, because you think about bands like the Cranberries, 
Dolores mm-hmm. fucking danced weird. She absolutely danced right? weird. Mick Jagger dances fucking weird too. So I think there's been a lot. Yeah. I just thought. Yeah. <laughs> Mick is so weird. He's got a quality though. I don't know what to tell you. Another person that I'm assuming joined a band so he could get laid. I know. I that know. wasn't going to happen. I know. He is very weird, but that's my favorite band. So, I mean, he can withstand you talking shit about it, but I cannot. So, I'm just kidding. I can't, but that's fine. I love the Stones. I do too. I just think they're funny looking. They are very funny looking. <laughs> Maybe it's because they've been around for 110 years. Yeah, now they're just desiccated. <laughs> Especially Keith. But you know, he's going to keep on going, so. For. Ever. Well, yeah, he's preserved. Ever. He's well preserved. Mm-hmm. So this is about the time when Jane wrote Our Lips Are Sealed. Mm-hmm. And again, she didn't show the band for weeks because she was worried they wouldn't like it. And she and it was such a personal song to her that she was afraid if they didn't like it, she would just die. Right? It's the end of the world. It's I'm showing you my entire heart. Please like me. Well, yeah, I think it's sort of extremely personal to write. I mean, like, the songs that are the best that resonate with most people come from, you know, that place of, like, you know, excitement or grief or whatever. And and so I think mm-hmm. that this is just, it's just so genuine. It's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It is. They loved it. Of course. How could you not? Oh, uh, yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. We will say that Margot, who's still with the band at this time, didn't like the direction mm-hmm. the band was going. Yeah. Because she wanted to be in a punk band mm-hmm. and the band was going more towards pop, mm-hmm. which I find it interesting because the rest of the band members were like, listen, it's just, it's just evolving. We are evolving mm-hmm. as a band. Whereas she was like, no, you're just changing. So she didn't want to be part of it. And she made that clear. At one point she got sick right before a couple of shows mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve. So they got Kathy Valentine to fill in while she was out sick. And it worked so well that they kept her and ousted Margot. Right. So, again, moving from punk into pop, for whatever reason, I think pop gets a bad rap. Like, it's not legit or it's maybe too commercial or whatever, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate because it's really popular, obviously, as it is called pop. I I was like, isn't that kind of the (laughs) the point? (laughs) But I can understand, like, maybe it's not legitimized or something because it's, you know, a lot of radio play or whatever. I think a lot of it is because a lot of the musicians who do pop don't play their own music, don't don't write their own songs. Don't, sure. So they see them as just like the voice or the face mm-hmm. and it's not the people mm-hmm. behind it. But I, there are a lot more now, you think of the Taylor Swifts and the Ed Sheerans mm-hmm. and things like that, that do play the instruments and write the music. Right. So I think they deserve just as much credit. I totally agree. I was thinking about, I've got to know, did you catch anything by H- Kathleen Hanna? She's from Bikini Kill. <sighs> Yes, she is. And La Tigra, I love Kathleen Hanna. And I put hers best dressed because she had the most amazing outfit on. Mm-hmm. But I liked that she was commenting on how the girls dealt with rejection and that it just kind of adds fuel to the fire of we're going to make it work whether you like it or not. So mm-hmm. punk or pop, you know, they were determined to be a success. And yep. so it's unfortunate that they lost Margot along the way. But I think it ended up being good because Kathy is amazeballs. She is. And, okay, so here we hear this again. Kathy said that Charlotte asked if she could play bass. And she said, yeah, I play guitar. Right. And so then she has to go home. She went home. She borrowed someone else's bass, plugs it in, puts the tape in that Charlotte gave her of all their music. And she learned their songs 
on bass, an instrument she's never played before, in three days on a Coke bench, right. but still <laughs> in three days. <laughs> Let's make sure we count all of those criteria. But she's like, yeah, I had to learn it on guitar first. And then she transitioned to bass. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's dedication for you. Listen, I can't play any instruments at all. My fingers certainly are not going to play a stringed instrument mm-hmm. like that. I just don't have the dexterity to do yeah. it. So good on you, mm-hmm. man. But I agree. I totally would want to play bass if I did, because I always feel like that's the chick role. <laughs> I don't know why in the bands, the chicks always play in the bass, but in this band, they're all right, chicks. So right. I don't know. But yeah, Kathleen Hanna, she very much discusses throughout this at different mm-hmm. points that they were a huge inspiration. Yeah. They're showing that it's possible for girls to have bands and be successful and to get out there and compete with the men and do it just as good as the men, which led her to form mm-hmm. bands and headbands. Also, I should say she's married to Ad Rock from Beastie <gasps> Boys. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, with that with that <laughs> outfit she was wearing, yes, she can marry whoever she wants. She's lovely. Yeah. They've been married for a long time. Oh, okay. Now I have Beastie Boys running through my head. Oh, That's a good documentary, oh, so too. Many. Okay. Welcome to our <laughs> we can't do welcome all music. To new project, all music docs. <laughs> That's it, all the time. <laughs> Good times. Goodness. So yeah, she she learned the songs, she went and she played, and she just mm-hmm. loved it. Kathy. Now we're right. gonna call her Kathleen. No, mm-hmm. Kathy. Kathy Valentine. She loved it. She loved playing with them. It was interesting because she even admitted, she goes, I didn't even think about what it would have felt like for Margot to be kicked out of the band because I just wanted to be there so mm-hmm. bad. There was a tour that they were starting in three weeks and I wanted to be part of it. I didn't even care. And it wasn't said in a malicious way. It was just like hindsight, like, Jesus, I didn't even think about that. Right. Well, I mean, of course, you're a young person. You know, you're not, you don't maybe have that awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. They're all in their early 20s at this point. Sure. The band did make Ginger, the manager, fire Margot, which I thought was a little bit harsh you know I think that that's again an experience thing in my opinion like you know you you're not thinking about Mm -hmm. the long-term effects of how you treat people today in your 20s right I mean yeah I do like that they did find a home right so IRS records signed the Mm go-go's I did not catch that guy's name Miles Copeland there you go and I thought it was cool that he had some vision about him because evidently there's no man that's ever been in the music business that had any vision as far as women were concerned so it was nice to hear well, let's say I could think of Phil Spector, but I don't think his vision is any that the women appreciated in the end. Right. <laughs> Sorry. I guess Ike Turner had some vision, but not also a great oh, example. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Men are not represented I mean, well in this industry. Tina was a star, but he also beat her up a lot. So. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Right. Right. So that was fun. Guys, stop it. I know. So they started playing shows in New York. Uh-huh. They had the the studio recording mentor. Richard got her. R- 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 I don't That's not right. But Richard, we'll just go with that. Um, we'll call him Richard. Yeah. Right. Dick, if you will. Right. <laughs> but I liked the fact that he was like, look, they were kind of rushing through everything and he kind of helped them find a different sound and like explore a little mm-hmm. bit. And I thought that's what they needed was somebody to come in and be like, all right, let's see what happens if we slow it down. Let's see what happens if we kind of mess with your melodies and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So he kind of taught them some new ways to think about things and do things. And I'm like, that's yes. I was really happy to hear that part. Yeah. Well, that's why you have someone with experience behind the board, right? Right. Yeah. For the cover of their first album, they had masks, <laughs> like facial masks mm-hmm. on. Like, think Neutrogena, right? Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a Nazi Thick white. Yeah, like a pond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and then they had white towels around their hair and white towels around their bodies. And it's cute. But my favorite part of that whole story is the fact that Ginger mm-hmm. went to Macy's, bought all these white towels. They did the shoot and then she returned all the white towels. She's like, I can't fucking afford that. Right. <laughs> nice, fluffy towels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These just aren't going to work for us. They're too white. Thanks. If you could just right, take they're them just, back. You know, if they could be like a little bit higher in thread count, that'd be great. <laughs> It's not an Egyptian loop. Thank you. Yeah, who knows what she actually said. But uh, yeah, so that was the cover for Beauty and the Beat, which is their first monster album. Mm -hmm. And then they end up going on tour Mm -hmm. with the police. Yeah. Who Miles Copeland also managed. And I believe, is it Stuart Copeland? That's one of the members of the police. I'm assuming it's his brother or some relation. Yeah, I have Stuart Copeland because he he talks on camera quite a bit about the girls mm-hmm. and like what an amazing opening act they were because they just got everybody rocking and kind of set the tone and then, you know. And again, he was so positive. He's like watching their album go up the charts. Mm-hmm. He's like, it was exciting to watch this new band because at this point, the police have been out for a while. They, you know, they'd already made it. Yeah, they're jaded and awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bitter. Right. So he's like to see this band go through that for the first time was amazing. And they were celebrating with them, even when their album, the Go-Go's album surpassed the <laughs> album that police had put out. Right. And and then the Go-Go's reached number one. They, you know, they celebrated with them. And again, I'm like, how rare is that in this industry? Because it seems like such a competitive industry that I don't see that happening very often. Well, I mean, and I think too, it's so contrary to what they'd been experiencing from men. I mean, mm-hmm. for those of you guys who don't know, the police are three dudes. Right. Sting always seems like he's a very intense person. Yeah. But like he's bringing champagne and they're like excited for the Mm -hmm. girls. And I, you know, I can't imagine what it was like, you know, to enjoy that moment of like, look at this goal we've achieved. But also there are people in the world that are really happy for us. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. They used the leftover budget from the police's video shoot to do their own video shoot Mm -hmm. of Our Lips Are Sealed. Which is an adorable video. So like the it's Go-Go's so cute. and MTV came up at about the same time, mm-hmm. right? They're just growing together. And so, yeah, you have these five adorable young women with these videos and they it gets played like every hour, <laughs> right? Like they didn't even <laughs> want to make the videos like this is stupid, but then it gets played every single mm-hmm. hour and everyone loved it and it really helped boost their career. Mm-hmm. I loved at the end as they were talking about, we ended up in that fountain and we were hoping we'd get arrested. And I'm like, you guys are true to your roots. I will give you that. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> I don't know. Yep. They thought that would be good for the video. If we could just get arrested and got <laughs> swam in that yeah. fountain all damn day. And no one even They're came. They're like, God damn, we are so pruny. Can you please come get us? <laughs> well, so you're just a bunch of young white girls. We don't really care about you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The album goes to number one. And again, Mm -hmm. you had mentioned that one of the few bands where the debut album goes to number one. Right? Yeah. So that's a huge, huge success. Mm -hmm. But they discuss going on Saturday Night Live. I do not remember this. I almost looked it up and watched it. Yeah. I thought the same. I didn't take the time to do it. But I think that they're kind of putting it forward. Like, it wasn't a great performance. We were live. It was on TV. You know, we'd been boozing it up all day long because I guess that's what you do on the set if you're the band. And clearly this was before they, they had people lip syncing to the track, right? I mean, this is when they actually played and sang. That's right. We're looking at you, Ashley Simpson. <laughs> but I mean, and maybe this was the impetus to get that. <laughs> Change. Right? <laughs> yes. They said they got there at 11 a.m. and they start drinking mm-hmm. and 
you know, then they start doing Coke and then, mm-hmm. and then by 11 PM they're playing. And I'm like, that's a whole day of stuff in your body. Well, too, I guess right before they were shooed out on stage, they were like, by the way, you're being beamed into the living rooms of 50 bajillion people. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah. No nerves. See you later. Yeah. And so <laughs> they play a little bit of audio. To me, it sounds like it's kind of fast, but that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Listen, the drummer sets the beat. So whatever Gina did, everyone <laughs> just had to keep up. Right? <laughs> yeah. They said they thought it was a bad performance. It didn't sound that bad. But again, I didn't go back and look mm-hmm. up the whole thing. I mean, if Belinda had tripped and fallen off stage or something, then I'd be like, whoa. Right. But she said the next day they sold a ton of records. So apparently it was a success either way. Yeah. I mean, there is the old adage that any publicity is good publicity. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. They got on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting talk because they're they're in a bunch of like, what I'm going to call tidy whitey kind of things. Like it's just mm-hmm. white tank tops and like underwear. It's nothing scandalous. It's very it's like playful. Briefs, yeah. yeah. And so they were like, we were excited about it until they saw the headline, which is the Go-Go's put out. And you're like, motherfuckers. I don't know. And so Ginger calls the editor of the Rolling Stone and kind of is like, look, the girls are upset by kind of how this went down. They were expecting something different. And the guy's mm-hmm. like, what are you bitching about? This is music or whatever. And then hangs up yeah, the phone. Yeah, I thought you'd be happy to be on the, you were calling to take me for the cover. Right. And so it's just it's... like, context matters, dudes. Yeah. But they don't see it. They see it as a quippy headline and that's fine. Yeah. So then they're working on their second album. Mm-hmm. They discuss how it was a bit rushed. They felt like the songwriting was reflective of how rushed they were. Mm-hmm. Kathy wrote Vacation, which is an amazing song. Mm-hmm. I like that everyone, almost everyone, wrote a little bit of something. Yes. Right? The main songwriters are going to be Charlotte and Jane. Mm-hmm. Mostly Charlotte. Jane with a little bit. But then Kathy comes in with a win. Yep. And even Belinda had said if Vacation hadn't been on that album, it would have been a much different story well, for their career. Yeah, they were afraid of the sophomore jinx, right? So you mm-hmm. have a monster album for your first, and then you're kind of in a situation where you've been removed from whatever situation made you good in the first place, right? The success, you're dealing with that. You're dealing with touring. You're dealing with the commercialism, Mm -hmm. you know, of the band, blah, blah, blah. So it's not like you're sitting around being angsty and, you know, so (laughs) I have to say that Vacation is amazing video. That's the one I really remember as a kid. Like, yeah, of course, I've seen Our Lips Are Sealed, but it's really Vacation. That's the cutest thing I've ever seen. It's just adorable. Yeah. And then, you know, they have to go on tour for it, which is like this, I'm exhausted just thinking about all the work they had to do because they're touring nonstop. And even every stop they go to, they have to do radio shows or television shows or interviews with magazines. And so it's this constant, constant going. It's no wonder why bands do drugs just to stay awake and alert and alive or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds miserable. But yeah, so they're on tour. Why they're on tour, I think they start talking about, okay, I don't know if it's their idea. They don't really discuss whether it's their idea or whether other people are coming to them saying, listen, I think you'd do a lot better if you had bigger, better management. Mm -hmm. Because they still just have Ginger and Ginger's just a single person and she's busting her ass and she's done an amazing job. Mm -hmm. But surely bigger representation means better representation, right? Well, I mean, that's the American way. So yeah. And it broke my heart because Ginger... The comment she made in this documentary was, the worst part about being a manager is when they don't want you anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, you work so hard. Right. And I don't, so this is, again, in my perspective, one of these things where 
the girls are young, they're being wooed by these big management companies mm -hmm. that are kind of sniffing around them now that they've made some progress. So the way it's sort of told is that they would all go into these big meeting rooms and they're like, Ginger, you've done a great job so far, but we are really what's needed to take him even further. Mm -hmm. And I really want to be a fly on the wall or um, maybe not just to be like, look, Ginger did all the work to get him here. How much bigger do they need to be? So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, they thought she was going to work. And their their wonderful lollipop and butterfly world, she was going to work with the big company and they would work together mm -hmm. to make the go-go's amazing. But Ginger was like, listen, I was just overlooked every time I walked yeah. in that room. There was no point in me being there. So she left. Yeah. And I find it interesting that the go-go's are like, well, it broke our hearts when she left. And I was like, are you kidding me that you're going to play that card right now? Because you essentially pushed her out. I mean, I don't know. We don't... They talk about this for maybe three or four minutes. So you you really don't know. I don't know if it's a an ego mm -hmm. thing. I don't know if it's a they promise us the world kind of thing. I mean, we don't really know the rest yeah. of the story. So they just even now sound like they were surprised that she left. Yeah. And that to me is an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I also thought it was really interesting that Jane said, so we went with giant management company and she's like, that was a mistake. We should have just stayed with gender. Yep. And you're mm -hmm. like. In hindsight so yep well and then going with the big companies I think it was Gina who saw how much money mm -hmm. Charlotte was making because Charlotte wrote the songs and that's where the money comes yep. from mostly is the writing the royalties of the music. for that mm -hmm. and right and so Charlotte made the most out of the band and you have Gina and Belinda at the bottom end who don't write mm -hmm. music who made the least and that really pissed Gina off yep. and I get it but also you're contributing differently, right? Because Charlotte is also doing all of the things you're doing mm -hmm. by playing instruments and touring and doing that, but she's also writing music and writing songs mm -hmm. and that's extra work, right? I mean, that's, that makes sense to me that they would, they would get more money. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they didn't have a discussion about this. Like you just didn't think about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just, again, you don't have all the story. I think that Jane does a beautiful job to say it should be that way because there's extra work and extra sweat and tears yeah. and blah, blah, blah in the, you know, and it's this unique skill set and you should be paid for your skills. Yep. But I think they should have had a discussion yeah. before somebody saw a check and said, oh, that doesn't feel great. So in my yeah. opinion, that's a miss for big fancy pants management. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because they, I think what they said instead was, oh, look how much more you'd get paid if you wrote music. Right. And it's just shitty. Yeah. Because not everyone has that mm -hmm. skill set. I, you don't want me writing your fucking music. Right. So <laughs> yes. Um, just a dick thing to say. And Gina does talk about like how much money wrecks everything and it starts the fights and that's when they really got into the real drugs. Now, mind you, Charlotte's been a heroin addict for years, so she was very secretive and yeah. able to conceal the amount of her drug use. I mean, there were signs and stuff along the way, but I think the girls didn't realize how bad it was for her. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, she had said that. Yeah, she had to to mm -hmm. lie. I can't even imagine. I can't either. Well, she and Jane were roommates for a time, and Jane said, I never saw her take heroin. I never saw any heroin. I never saw anything that would yeah. make me think mm -mm. otherwise. So that she was doing heroin, yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Well, and probably because of the drugs, Charlotte hits a writing block mm -hmm. for the third album. And so Jane wrote the majority of that album. Right. Which is really interesting because that's the time when they're like, they changed the pay scale again so they're like well this yeah. time this time we're gonna divide it equally and jane's like whoop, 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 for the next one 
we can do that because in this case, she's losing out. So again, this should have been a discussion. Right. Absolutely. If you know ahead of time, you can, one, prepare yourself to work accordingly, right? right? And so everyone kind of works the same. But yeah, she's like, I busted my ass for this. I wrote all of these Mm -hmm. songs and now you're going to cut me out of it? Oh, I would have been livid. Right. And so she wants to quit. Jane wants to quit. She does. But she also, there was one song on the album that was incredibly personal to her that she also, she wanted to sing Mm -hmm. herself. And she went to each of the band members and they were essentially like, no, Belinda's the singer. Someone actually said, what makes you think you're good enough to sing a song? Ugh, that just, that's not, let's not say that. But you put all these people in a pressure cooker where they have to perform and they they never get a chance to kind of refresh, you know, kind of have some time away from each other and all this kind of stuff. And the girls talk about, well, the women talk about quite a bit in this. We didn't communicate well. We were real petty and horrible to each other. And like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of infighting, which again, you hear constantly on the behind the musics and whatever. But I mean, they were young women right. thrust into the spotlight, yeah. which is everything that they wanted. But then it's like, it's, you know, they didn't really have the skills to kind of deal with some of these more complex things. Right. So also Gina was sick. She got sick. She had to have heart surgery. Right. So what I love about that story is they're very much like, oh, you know, she'd be on stage, she'd have problem breathing. And we're like, yeah, whatever, suck it up, my <laughs> pants, you know. Right. And then she goes and she gets diagnosed with a hole in her heart. And they're like, oh, shit. Sorry. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that uh, making bad. fun of you thing. <laughs> so yeah, they go and party, which I thought was also hilarious. Well, you know, they decide to have like this big bender weekend before she has mm-hmm. surgery and they're like there was drinking there was drugs and they're like but um gina couldn't do the coke because of her heart so just just booze shrooms and like mm-hmm. pot or something like that it was like okay yeah that's totally fine doctors would totally agree with that yeah boundaries <laughs> ladies yeah yeah but gina comes through it fine and then you know I think it fixes things for a while because they got a nice wake up call, but it doesn't solve all their problems and they don't really deal with them. So they're back to the infighting and the petty and all that kind of stuff as they start to go out on Mm -hmm. tour for that album. Right. And Jane had mentioned that she was leaving Mm -hmm. the band. She was going to go on tour to make sure they could complete the tour for the album that she essentially wrote. Yeah, because she wants it to be successful. I mean, you know, right? Right. But once that's done, she's Mm -hmm. done. And I think they all probably thought, yeah, sure, whatever. But they went on tour, they would fight and then go out on stage and they called it robo-go-going mm-hmm. because you just go out and you're like a machine. You just make right. it work. Yeah. Right. We get that. Mm-hmm. We've all done that at work. When we had a shitty day, you go in, you make yep. it work. But once the tour was over, Jane stuck to her word. Mm-hmm. She left. And I think it was interesting because Belinda had said they knew they were in trouble once she left because she was an original member. She's one of the main songwriters and she was irreplaceable. Right. It's a shame that you realize that after she left. But that's life, in my opinion. Right. They just didn't know. Mm-hmm. So they bring in Paula Jean Brown. She's mm-hmm. the new bass player. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they kind of did a little bit of moving around of things, right? So, yeah. Right. Because Kathy said that it's easier to find a bass player mm-hmm. than a guitar player. So Kathy, having played guitar for most of her career mm-hmm. prior to this, went and switched to be a guitar mm-hmm. player so they could find a bass yeah. player. Yeah. But it's interesting because Paula Jean said that she knew the band was mm-hmm. struggling and she joined anyway because they're rehearsing for Rocket Rio, which was apparently this big right. festival they were doing in Rio de Janeiro. She's like, but she could see as an outsider coming in 
it must have been so evident the things that everyone else had kind of just put blinders onto, like the right. drug use and Charlotte especially, because mm-hmm. she had made comments how Charlotte wasn't doing well. Gina said that Ozzy Osbourne kicked Charlotte I out know. of his room. I thought that was like, oh, <laughs> shit. That speaks volumes. Right? Because if you guys don't know about the shenanigans that Ozzy Osbourne got into, I mean, he snorted a line of ants one time <laughs> just because he would dare to. Yeah. I think all the drugs. All the drugs that have ever been made, he's done. Well, I mean, he's sort of known as that guy, right? Yeah. Back at the time when this was just par for the course for, you know, being a rock and roll uh, star or whatever. He was right at the forefront of whatever the fuck went. So. Mm-hmm. But Paula's the one that told Charlotte about yep. rehab. She actually helped her check in. Like Charlotte went to check mm-hmm. herself in and Paula helped her. And I thought, that's amazing. Here's a woman who is not part of this band before that stepped in and was like, yeah, this isn't good. You guys need to make some changes. And she helped. She helped facilitate that. And she possibly saved Charlotte's life. Who knows what could yeah. have happened. Charlotte says, you know, she said something to me about rehab. And then, you know, initially she was hesitant. And then she said something changed inside her. And so she went back and, you know, Paula was like, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to go do this. And yeah, I just... I would like to know more about Paula. She seems like a real cool lady. I know. That's good yeah. people. Yeah. That's good people yeah. right there. Yeah. She does seem pretty badass. I do need to look into her because I don't know what other band she's been. She looks so familiar to me. Yeah. And she's a great choice for them because then she writes Mad About You, which is another a really good tune. And she writes it, you know, she says her inspiration is the band itself. And I think that's so cute. I know. But that was, that was I think, the last hit that they had. Mm-hmm. Right. They end up breaking up the band. Charlotte and Belinda decide mm-hmm. to end the band. And Gina and Kathy mm-hmm. opposed it. They're like, you can't do that. We're we're also part of this band. And of course, Belinda says she writes the hits and I'm the singer mm-hmm. or I'm the voice. Ugh, again, let's learn to choose our words mm-hmm. a little bit better. That's just, that's harsh. But I get it. Listen, you can't go on without us as the Go-Go's. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, they just kind of ripped that away from them because they are also part of the band. It should have been a little bit more democratic, for lack of a better word. Yeah, I think it's interesting because Belinda made quite a transition, right? So in one part of the documentary, they talked about, you know, we gave Gina a hard time because she didn't write the music. We gave Jane a hard time because of something. We gave Kathy a hard time because of something else. We gave Belinda a hard time because she started to take off as a star, you know, lead singer, like. Mm-hmm. she really caught fire there. And so they've like exploited something or I don't know, shamed everybody for something. And I think that's again, what you do in the grips of, I mean, God knows what that management team was telling people, you know, they're young, there's drugs, there's jealousy. Mm-hmm. And so like I said, I, I just, I think it's the rare band that takes care of one another along in the journey. So. Yeah. Yeah. Jane had said that within months of, her leaving the band broke up mm-hmm. and she wasn't happy to hear about it, but she also wasn't surprised. Sure. Charlotte said they didn't speak to each other mm-hmm. for like five years after that. Jane did a solo thing. Didn't go well. Kathy tried to be mm-hmm. in other bands. Nothing really worked well. Gina, Gina said I couldn't be a studio player because I couldn't read music. Yeah. That's something that I didn't know until I met John. Cause John can't read music, but he plays mm-hmm. several instruments and right. very well. So it amazes me that people play mm-hmm. by ear. 
because, you know, I was forced to play band as a kid. And so you have to learn to read music, but right. it just is so interesting. She tried solo. Gina tried solo. It didn't work. Belinda, however, had a very successful solo career. She sure did. And at least she admitted at some point in time, she was in an interview and they said, well, why are you the one that became successful? And she's like, well, I kind of had a leg up. I was already the face of the band. Mm-hmm. People were already more familiar with me than others. And that's just to my benefit. I like that she was like, listen, it's not that I'm more special. It's just that people recognize me. Right. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. She asked Charlotte to come play and write with her. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Jane was back in the fold with them as well. Mm-hmm. And Gina and Kathy kind of felt left out, right? Because those three were back together again. Well, I mean, so Belinda does the album Heaven on Earth, which was, again, huge. Huge. Loved it. I love that album. Mm-hmm. And she admits, like, she had a big ego in all this. So mm-hmm. that's probably part of it, too. So, you know, like I said, I think she's got the right look. She's got that a voice. She was the lead singer of an amazing band. And I'm sure those management teams were very eager to have her try something on her own. And she was successful. So. Mm-hmm. And then they dropped her the minute she turned 40. Yes. Because a woman is useless after the age of 40. I don't know if anyone's aware of that. So just so you have something to look forward to. I know women of the world. So don't get old or fat ever. Those are the worst two sins you can ever commit. So (laughs) I mean, or think fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm getting good and jaded. My old age of 32. Of 32. I know it's (laughs) it's tough. I am very thankful that my job has never depended on the way I look because I probably would never have been employed. I mean, I, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting road to be a lady. So yeah. Got the face for podcasting, (laughs) but, but eventually the go-go's reunited Mm -hmm. and they got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Mm -hmm. They did a Broadway show, which how did I not know that? I know. I I know. I think it's interesting because Jane said that she went to a head doctor, psychiatrist, psychologist, I'm not sure which, mm-hmm. who diagnosed her with bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And so she was able to get on some medicine and she made the comment that for the first time in her life, she wasn't thinking about killing herself. Yeah. And that just breaks my heart that people live like that every single day. And I know, I know people do. I know family members sure. of mine do. Yeah, and difficult. I just hope that if anyone out there does feel like that, that they do have someone to talk to. And can get help. Yeah. Depression lies to you. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a tough one. I'm glad that the conversation about mental health is a lot better now. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there are some efforts to erase stigmas and, you know, much more so than there were when I was growing up in the 80s. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm thankful that the pharmaceuticals have gone a long way as well. Yeah. Right. But my family has always been like, listen, if you need to go talk to someone, go talk to someone. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that because then I could look at my kids. I remember taking uh, my oldest to therapy when he was younger. And it was very much like, listen, you need someone to talk to who isn't me. Because what if you want to bitch about me? You can't bitch about me to me. You need to have an impartial person to go bitch about your parents, right? Well, I mean, you're secure in the fact that, you know, the parent-child relationship is pretty complex. And so I think it's okay for a kid to be like, my mom's tough on me or whatever it is. Yeah, she ruined my life. (laughs) (laughs) Her just general presence in my everyday uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm just glad that we're moving in the right direction. Yes, absolutely. For the first time since 2001, Mm -hmm. the Go-Go's are writing new new music. They've got some new stuff out there. Yeah, that's really exciting. Let's talk about uh, something that shocked me is that they are not in the Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame. Right. How is that a thing? Okay. 
and I meant to look it up before we got here, mm-hmm. but the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't quite work like a lot of people yes, think it, yes. it does. It's Agreed. privately owned. It is, you know, they choose bands. There, There's a certain criteria bands have to make, but then they choose a few and then people do get to vote mm-hmm. on them. But you have to be chosen by a few private people. It's not like a regular museum that should be more educational. I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but it doesn't work like I think it should work. Right. It's not based on you were more popular than somebody, you were more, you sold more records. There's not like those kinds of criteria. I mean, like, yeah, I think that kind of goes hand in hand, but it's really weird. Like the bands that are in now versus the ones that get voted in later, there's no like chronological thing. I mean, it's just weird. It is very weird. I think they deserve to be there. I do too. Definitely. Hopefully eventually they will. Yeah. But it really isn't the end all be all considering it's like a privately owned collection, essentially. <laughs> right. Know? It's like getting voted prom queen, right? Like there's just some intangible things that have to happen for you to get there. It's not based on how good you are or whatever. It's just. Right. So let's kind of talk about what the ladies have done thus far. Okay. Other than the Go-Go's, outside okay. of the Go-Go's. So Charlotte has written a lot of music for others. Mm-hmm. She's written a lot of music for shows and movies. Mm-hmm. One television show would be Stranger Things. Hey, awesome. Right. Belinda had a very successful solo career. Mm-hmm. She has also done music for different shows and movies. Okay. Kathy also wrote some music for shows and movies. Jane is the one that surprised me the most. Okay. So she is a very successful voice actor which makes sense. She has a very unique voice. She did, I don't know if you remember, but she was Joan of Arc in Bill and Ted. Excellent adventure. (laughs) She was also the singing telegram girl in Clue. Okay. And she did music for TVs and movies also. I was like, I look at her face and I'm like, it is so familiar. And I thought just because she looks like Annie Potts, but then I'm like, no, nope. I have seen her in other things. So she's actually acted in quite a few things. She's a very prolific voice actor, Mm -hmm. actress, voice actress. Mm -hmm. She's done a lot of stuff. I love her look now. She's got a real close crop pixie and like her eyebrows are on point. Mm-hmm. She's striking. She looks amazing. Yeah. And that's it. That's the go-go's, everybody. Yeah. A little slice of my childhood. Um, I really enjoyed this mm-hmm. doc. It was it was well done. I dug it. Yeah. They did a really good job. I like that they talked to all the people now mm-hmm. as well as had a lot of vintage footage it was good to see them. It was good. Good music. Like I said, it was uh, a nice walk down memory lane. I guess is the best way I would say it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. On that note, Erin, what are we doing next week? So we're going to keep this music train rolling. Um, we are going to do Sad Vacation, The Last Days of Sid and Nancy. This one we can find on Tubi, maybe other places, but that one for sure. And mm-hmm. about an hour and 35 minutes. So. Yeah. So this is kind of a crossover <laughs> music and true crime, mm-hmm. if anyone yeah. is aware of the story of Sid and Nancy. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting tale. Other than that, we'll actually ask you to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at GoDocYourself. We're always looking for comments, certainly questions. But yeah, thanks for uh, joining us today. I know I had fun. I, I know. I love this documentary, <laughs> and I hope you guys watched it, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. And we will talk to you next week. All right, coolio. Later. Bye. It's nice to meet you when we meet again on the